This is Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. It's powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. To get an extended 30-day trial, visit shopify.com slash masters. Hey entrepreneurs, my name is Felix and I'm the host of the Shopify Masters podcast. Each week we put out podcast interviews with successful e-commerce entrepreneurs or experts to give you inspiration, motivation, and actionable tips to increase your traffic and sales so your store can generate the sales you need to live the life you want. On the last episode, Yuen Ding explained how he used Facebook ads to promote a Kickstarter campaign that ended up raising $800,000. On this episode, you'll learn from an entrepreneur that builds out a nationwide rep program that's helped them build a multi-million dollar business. In this episode, you'll learn how to build, manage, and motivate a nationwide rep program, what kind of guidance to give your first salesperson, and how to identify the areas of your business that will have the biggest impact on your business's growth. Today, I'm joined by Russell Sachs from CampusProtein.com. That's C-A-M-P-U-S-P-R-O-T-E-I-N.com. Campus Protein is the only one-stop shop for college students who want brand name supplements and vitamins for affordable prices and was started in 2010 and based out of New York, New York. Welcome, Russell. Thanks, Felix. Appreciate you guys having me on today. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. So tell us a little bit more about your store and what are some of the uh, most popular products that you sell? Definitely. So I uh, started the company back in 2010 when I was a sophomore at Indiana University. And uh, at this point, I had never lifted a weight a day in my life. I never went to the gym, joined a fraternity Delta Todd Delta at Indiana University and uh, they told me, and I realized pretty quickly what they said was, you know, if, if you want to get with girls, you better start hitting the gym. <laughs> so these guys take me to the gym, and, you know, this is my first time there. And I keep going back with them. And once per month, they're, they're stopping at, uh, you know, our local vitamin store and, you know, spending $250, $300 on supplements each. And this was really shocking to me because these are the same guys that are complaining about not having enough money for beer on the weekends. So I was surprised that this was such a priority to them. So I asked them afterwards. I said, you know, I'm so surprised that you guys aren't just buying this stuff online. I'm sure it's cheaper. I'm sure there are plenty of online places you could go. And they said, it is cheaper. However, we need it today. So what I figured out was college students really aren't the best planners. Mm. And they're a little bit lazy. So uh, I thought that if we can combine competitive online pricing with same-day delivery, we would have a home run. And that's exactly what we did at Indiana University. We set up uh, we set up a storage unit, and um, the first delivery of supplements ever was to my frat house, and then we moved on to the storage unit. But we literally hand-delivered every single order. The orders would come through on the website, and we would hand-deliver them to the customer, same-day delivery. That, that's very cool. That's uh, very wise of you to recognize that there was this opportunity too. So did you were you in school for business or entrepreneurship? Like what gave you this kind of business, I guess, mindset to recognize that this was an opportunity to, to pursue? Sure. So uh, I've always had an entrepreneurial mindset. Um, in high school, I had a couple very small businesses, a couple of eBay businesses. And my family's very entrepreneurial. On my dad's side, uh, they own luggage stores in the city in Manhattan. And on my mom's side, they own women's shoe stores in Manhattan as well. And uh, I always really wanted to do something on my own. Um, and this was, uh, I felt like, my shot and my opportunity. 
Mm, makes sense. So when you were getting started with this, uh, what were some of the, I, I think, you know, uh, listeners out there, I'm not sure how many of them are in college or are, you know, going to school or anything, but what were some of like the pros and cons of starting a business while in college or in school? One of the hardest things was obviously balancing school and, uh, this new business. And what I quickly found was that my life was pretty much consumed by this business. Uh, it was something that I really wanted to pursue and really wanted to to make it as big as I possibly could. And um, kind of my first step in doing that was realizing that I couldn't do this alone. I needed a sales guy. And I reached out to my best friend who went to Indiana University. He lived in the fraternity across the street. And you know, pretty much knew everyone on campus. He, he was like, you know, my go-to sales guy. So you know, I reached out to him. He said that he would have no problem selling supplements. And within two weeks, we had sold out of our entire batch of inventory um, from our first shipment, thanks to my now business partner, Mike Udell. Mm-hmm. So you you recognized that you needed a sales guy. How did you, I guess, understand this fact? And the reason I'm asking is because I think a lot of entrepreneurs out there, when they do get started for the first time and are starting their own business as a solo founder, they feel like they have to be the salesperson and no one else can take the reins necessarily because it's like such such a intimate activity, I guess, that they feel like they should be the ones that are out there pitching and selling and, and you know bringing in the revenue for the business. But you recognize that this was something you needed and you were able to hand it off, not sorry, hand it off, but you were able to bring someone in to help out with that part. How did you recognize this? And, how, and did you ever have any hesitations about, uh, you know, bring someone in to, to run the sales for you? I realized that if this was something that we wanted to at least expand to the whole Indiana University campus, it uh, wasn't something that I could do on my own. It's, you know, 35,000 undergrad students, uh, it's a very big campus. And I, in my eyes, the easiest target was fraternities. You know, these these guys work out a lot. They're trying to get with girls. And, you know, the whole reason why we started this business was to help college students look better naked. So um, I realized that, uh, again, there's no way I could do it myself. And I think it's important to kind of figure out what uh, your personal strengths are and really focus on that. And uh, I think, you know, one of the most important things is hire people who are, you know, smarter than you or better than you in certain areas that you're not so great yeah. at. So what was your, before I get there, so when you hire your first salesperson or when you did hire your first salesperson, what kind of guidance do you, should you give them to make sure that they are, you know, growing the business appropriately? Sure. Uh, in the beginning, I think it's really tough to gauge that, uh, especially with a new business. It's, you don't really have a lot to, a lot to go off of. So, I think just just closing as many sales as possible, building as many relationships as possible, making sure that those relationships are nurtured to are, are some of the most important things. And was there a way for you to track and kind of manage all this? Or were you guys just, you know, hustling and trying to get everything out there? And This was just us hustling. We were, uh, we were doing everything we could to, you know, guerrilla market around Indiana University. We would hand out flyers, uh, you know, sticker dorm rooms. We would, you know, do tables at, at the gym. We, we would do everything that we could in order to get the word out there. I had, uh, at one point, we had uh, both of our fraternities go to the gym just wearing campus protein tank tops. So at the very least, if you didn't know what campus protein was, you probably at least Googled it because you saw so many tank tops at the gym. Mm. So when you got started with this, you, I think earlier on you, uh, in the podcast, you're mentioning that you had just gotten started lifting weights and just, just got started to understand the supplements and a supplement business. And how, did you feel like you knew the market well enough by the time you got started? 
Uh, truthfully, I don't think I knew the market as well as I probably should have. I was learning a lot as I went along. And truthfully, in the beginning, we weren't making any money on any products. And in fact, we were losing money on selling some products just so that we could uh, you know, really build up this reputation that we do have affordable pricing. And we do also do provide this awesome convenience of same-day delivery. Unfortunately, what we figured out was that the same-day delivery wasn't scalable. Um, so that's just to uh, rewind a bit, that summer, I, I went home, told my best friend from high school, Tarun Singh, about the business. He went to Boston University. He saw a lot of the same problems at Boston that I saw at Indiana. He said that he thought he would be able to expand the model, and he took it back to Boston University, and it was a big success there. And since Boston has so many schools, it's so densely populated with different colleges, he was able to quickly expand Campus Protein to a bunch of colleges within the Boston area. Hmm, very cool. So if you didn't know the market well enough, like what did you, and I think it's perfectly fine too, because I think a, do, a lot of entrepreneurs do kind of wait too long to get started, wait too long to get moving because they feel like they need to understand everything before taking the very first steps. Uh, but if you were to you know, give advice to somebody that is just thinking about getting started, what do you think you need to know about your market? Like how much do you need to know before you can comfortably, not necessarily comfortably, but you can at least know enough to not fall flat on your face? Definitely. I think uh, some of our biggest strengths were knowing which products were popular. So we would go around and gauge our pledge brothers and our, our friends seeing which po which products were in the highest demand. And uh, that, that was really crucial for us because we didn't have a lot of money at the time and we were mostly investing in inventory. And if we invested in the wrong inventory, then we wouldn't be able to sell it and we'd be out of business. So uh, I think one of the most important things is, is knowing what's hot, knowing what's, uh, what the hottest trends are. And uh, that was a, a big strength for us early on. I think that's important because a lot of times uh, we all think that, oh, if you start a business, you have to basically reinvent the wheel and do something completely different. But there's definitely a lot of uh, very crucial information to to be, I guess, gleaned just from understanding what, peop what people's buying habits are currently. Because once you learn that, you can kind of figure out how to insert yourself or at least figure out how to replicate that kind of demand for your own products or at least get the kind of supply that people are already you know, actively looking for. Uh, so when you you know hired a salesperson and they were out there you know hustling and getting a sales for you were you also running the sales or like what was your responsibility early on when you did have a salesperson absolutely yeah uh sales were key sales were the most important thing so anyone that was involved in campus protein early on had one main goal and that was sales and if you weren't great at sales at the very least you you had to build awareness so um, yes, I mean, we were selling wherever we could. We'd sell at the gym. We'd, we'd take orders over email and put them back in to, uh, and we put them back into the website when we got home. We, we would do everything we could in order to get sales. So I think sales is key early on. And, uh, you know, sales is, uh, you know, one of the most important things for us and probably most businesses early on. Mm -hmm. So when you say we, is it just, was it just you and your salesperson or like your fraternity involved? Like how many people were involved in this operation? So it was me and um, and my uh, my best friend from college, Mike, who ended up becoming my business partner at this time. And um, you know, later on after that summer, my friend from high school, my best friend from high school, Tarun, he joined in. So it was really the three of us. Mm -hmm. And so, so let's say that, well, let's kind of rewind a bit, a bit. And okay, so when you guys have decided that you have this market you're trying to serve, you have these products that you know people like, and you are you know generating these sales offline. 
How did you transition this into an online business? Like, what was what were the next steps towards uh, scaling this up and actually turning into an e-commerce business? Definitely. So we always considered ourselves kind of a virtual retail store, right? Because you could buy the products online, but we were delivering them to you, you know, the same day. And like I was saying, unfortunately, it wasn't as scalable as we thought. So to to give you some uh, brief history on how our on how we really grew, uh, we. We're trying to make this our full-time jobs post-graduation. You know, when we started off, none of us were really into lifting. It wasn't that important to us. But as we developed this business, we we realized that, you know what, health and nutrition are really important, and we became really passionate about it. And, you know, this may have started off as kind of, you know, let's let's help college students look better naked, but we realized that we actually, you know, potentially are in a fortunate spot to have the ability to do to touch a lot of people and to help change a lot of people's lives. So um, we wanted to do everything in our power in order to make this our full-time jobs post-graduation. So what we started doing was looking different ways to, uh, to raise money. So we were looking at different business competitions. We were looking at venture funding, angel funding. And as fate would have it, we stumbled upon a business competition held by Indiana University just by fate. Uh, it was the world's largest business competition held by a university. So it was right in Indiana. It was the first year they were running it, and you had to be a senior to enter. So we're like, oh, man, this is meant to be. And we entered this competition, and basically imagine Shark Tank, but for you know college students. Mm-hmm. And basically a bunch of successful Indiana University alumni came together to start this fund. So Matt Ferguson, the CEO of Career Builder, Scott Dorsey of Exact Target, and the year after, Mark Cuban joined into the competition. And they put together this fund so that entrepreneurs could, um, you know, come out of IU year after year and they could continue to promote entrepreneurship post-graduation. And we were fortunate enough to win a seat investment and win the competition. That's amazing. So what did you feel like you needed the capital for? Because I think this is an important point too, to discuss for other entrepreneurs, because I think uh, there is um, a, always this nagging thought that I need more funding for my business, but sometimes it's not it might just it might not be the right direction to go in. So how did you guys know that you needed capital for the business and what did you need it for at the time that you started looking for it? Definitely. So there were a few things that we needed. The first thing is we needed to increase our gross margins. Our margins were super thin at the time. Again, we were we were buying products from a distributor and the margins weren't great. We really wanted to go direct. In order to go direct, you really had to place some big purchase orders. So that was one area for us. The second area was creating a private line, which we now have. Um, we have a pre-workout called Fuel, and it's really designed for college students. Uh, everything down to the marketing, to the taste. Our, one of our most popular selling flavors is called Jungle Juice, and our latest flavor is orange soda. So, you know, that was a really big that was a really big part for us, and it was really important because you know that was really going to increase our our gross margins. And then the last piece of it was our rep program. So. At that point, we were at Indiana University, we were at Boston University, and we were looking to expand the model to as many colleges as we possibly could. And in order to do that, we wanted to invest in a sales rep program. So as of today, we we are represented at a little over 275 college campuses across the country, and we have a little over 1,200 campus reps. That's amazing, and I definitely do want to talk about your rep program. But before we get there, this sure. this uh, competition you won, can you say how much uh, you won from this business competition? Definitely, yeah. We won a, a seed investment of $100,000, um, and that was in 2012. So that was the year we graduated, and uh, we've grown organically, fortunately, since then. That's amazing. So when you did get this, uh, what, when you won this competition, you got the seed investment, 
you was sitting in your bank account, your business bank account. Like, what were the first things that you started to do with that with that funding? First thing we did was reach out to a couple key partners, a couple key vendors that we wanted to really build our site up with. That we thought their um, their messaging, their marketing, and their overall um, their overall messaging really appealed to the college demographic. They were up and coming brands, and we were fortunate enough to you know really get in early with a lot of these brands and build some really incredible relationships with them that you know they now come to us to get their products into into uh, college students hands you know ages 18 to 24 so with the for the funding uh, with i guess with the competition what do you think uh, you guys did right to help you help you win the competition um i think some of the things that we did correctly were to show a real uh, hmm, a real I want to. Say, I don't want to say proven way, but a way that seems very feasible to scale this business. And for us, that was by expanding to more schools and hiring more more sales reps. You know, we were able to figure out that on average, each sales each sales rep would bring in X amount of dollars. If we hired X amount of sales reps at each school, and we had X amount of schools, we could you know pretty confidently pretty confidently project our revenue, and we could say you know. There's pretty much a direct correlation between our revenue and the amount of sales reps and colleges that we're represented at. I, I love that that you did, or you, I guess you were able to create a system or at least some kind of uh, process for scaling this up and launching a new market. So, you know, speaking of that, I think a lot of store owners are uh, looking to new markets to grow their business, to grow their their top line revenue. So, when you are planning, or when you guys were planning to launch a new markets. Is there is there is it possible to build a scalable model? Is it like very easy to replicate the I guess launch plan for one college and, and onto the next, even if it's in a completely different part of the country? Sure. So, uh, kind of what you're saying, we, we thought it would be easy. Uh, turns out it wasn't like everything else, and it, every school is a little bit different. And we found that the demands in, in one area are very different in another area. So, for example, at Indiana University, they're more into hardcore supplements and uh, more into powdered supplements that you mix yourself. Where at Boston University, they were really into ready-to-drink stuff, so stuff that's pre-mixed that you buy out of like the, the gym fridge, basically. That's interesting. So how did you, how did you um, learn that, that this was the case? Uh, it, didn't, it wasn't too hard for us to figure it out. We, uh, we, we, we would basically get tons of messages whenever a certain product was out of stock from one region. We, they'd say, you know, why is this product out of stock or when are you getting it back in? And slowly but surely, we, we started to figure out which areas, you know, demanded which products. And uh, today we've built out the rep system so that we actually have four territory managers across the country. Mm. Yeah, so I guess when you talk about this business, it sounds like there it is obviously very offline marketing heavy as well, especially with the rep program and Definitely. especially how you guys got started initially. So when you do start off a business that way, offline that is, or the biggest focus is offline and you're generating the sales offline, what do you, what were some of the most difficult challenges to turning it into more of an online business and, and actually driving sales or driving traffic to an online store rather than you know just to their local rep. Sure. So we always made it a focus and we, we always wanted to make it a focus that in order to make your purchase, you had to come online. You had to come to our site. You had a, uh, you know, un- unless the rep was, was putting the order in for you or it was early on and we were putting in the orders, we, we, we really stressed that you had to come to the site in order to make the purchase. So I think it would have been a lot more difficult had we not done that early on uh, because people wouldn't have seen us as such an 
online e-commerce based business. Mm, makes a lot of sense. So you said that when you got the funding or when you were thinking about going after funding, you wanted to do for three different reasons, a larger purchases, a private line, and then of course the rep program that helped you scale things up. Did you sure. launch all of these at the same time? Or like, how did you prioritize which of these uh, yeah. three different projects? Yeah, we, we had a strategy and we had a plan. We, we definitely didn't do it all, all at the same time. At that point, it was just the three of us and we, we could barely handle, you know, one of those things. So, uh, you know, we, we really prioritized which things were most important to us. You know, the products that we knew that everyone already wanted from our third party, ben- from our third party vendors, uh, we, we thought that that was, you know, one of the uh, kind, of, kind of a no brainer for us. So, you know, we needed higher margins on those products and we're going to approach these vendors that we hopefully can build really great long term relationships with. And uh, that was the first thing for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's talk about this because I think that this is a great strategy for a lot of businesses in different industries to uh, get get to get funding so that you can make larger purchases to decrease to to improve your margins and then you know sell your own products, create your own line like you guys did, and of course it's rep programs. Let's break this down a little bit. So with the with the um, improving your margins, driving down the cost with your vendors, talk to us about this. How did you negotiate better prices? Is it just coming to the table with more cash or like what else is involved? Yeah. So again, I think it's, uh, it's selling the story, selling our vision, you know, selling, selling, you know, to, to these vendors, what we think campus protein can be in, you know, three, five, 10 years. Uh, and you know, we were the ones who may have recognized that gap in the industry that nobody was marketing towards college students, which did make up such a, a large portion of the market. But all we had to really do is bring it to their attention for them to realize that, you know what, this really is a great idea. And if we could be that exclusive partner that's able to, you know, bring supplements to the market to college students, then, then you know, they had no problem with it. Mm. So do you feel like these vendors, um, you know, because a lot of them, a lot of them, I'm assuming are kind of pitched these stories, right? Like you have they, a lot of uh, businesses will come to them and say, you know, invest in us because we're going to go places. Did you feel like they've all they've heard it all? Or like, what did you bring any hard cold facts that were convincing? Like, how were you able to like, speak to them in a way that made them realize that this was a legit uh, business with a lot of potential rather than just someone you know, trying to sell their pipe dream? I think you have to have passion. Uh, we, we definitely had some facts with us, not a ton, honestly, but uh, for us, it was we, we, we really sold on emotion, quite honestly. And, um, you know, fortunately, it, it ended up working out. But um, again, it's, it's not an easy thing to do, I don't think. I think we, we definitely got a little bit lucky, and we were fortunate enough that there, there was, wasn't anyone targeting college students and it, it was an easily recognizable thing. We just, uh, we really were just the ones that brought it to their attention. Mm-hmm. So let's take a quick little detour before we talk about the private lines, because you mentioned that there was no one out there that was targeting college students, but there are tons of big brands, tons of big retail retailers today that are already very much entrenched in the supplement and vitamin business. Were you guys ever concerned that they could just kind of rear their, their head and look at what you guys are doing, just come in and dominate the market that you guys had discovered? Yeah, we we always had that in the back of our minds, but at the end of the day, we did know that no one knew our customer better than us. We were college students ourselves, and no one knew better how college students thought than us. Mm. So all the marketing, all the market research we did, all the research we really did in general, it was we would go to our fraternity brothers, go to our friends, go to our sales reps who are college students, and figure out what they want and kind of 
figure out what the best blend is between those things. And so far, it's worked out really well for us. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Cool. So now moving on to the second reason why that you wanted to get funding, which was to create your private line. So tell us a little bit more about this. Is this the, a private line of supplements as well? So yeah, right now we have one product. It's called Fuel. And it's a pre-workout that you take before going to the gym. You take it about 25 minutes before. It gives you energy. It gives you focus. And it gives you a pump. So it, you know, th- think of it as you know an energy drink specialized for just when you're working okay, out. Okay, makes sense. So what are some skills or, I guess, uh, things you had to learn when you moved from you know buying and selling other vendors' products to now creating your own private line? Sure. So um, I think this goes back to knowing what your strengths are and, and finding people around you that, uh, you know, that have strengths that you don't have and, and ways that you can complement each other. And my business partner, Mike, he is our supplement guru. This guy knows every ingredient that you've never heard of before. So he was really crucial in helping us formulate and really formulating our, our private line products, Fuel. And, uh, you know, we took a look at a lot of the products that were out there. And, and again, we, we figured out which ones were our favorite, which ones were our friends' favorites. And, uh, you know, we did the best job that we could. And um, we kept tweaking it and tweaking it until we had something that was really, really awesome. And, um, you know, that, that was Fuel. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, what's the the process for creating your own your own your own supplements? You know, like how do you identify what ingredients to put in? Like how do you test it? And how long is this entire process? Sure. So it's a it's a decently long process. We have a uh, a third party manufacturer that manufactures everything in a lab, and um, one of the hardest things, uh, believe it or not, is actually the flavoring of the product. So. We anytime we want to come out with a new flavor, we fly down to our manufacturer and, and spend you know one to two days figuring out exactly how we want it. So, for example, the last flavor that we came out with was orange soda, and we really wanted this to replicate you know our favorite childhood drink growing up. You know, everyone loves orange soda, especially an orange soda that gives you energy and has no calories. So, you know, we we had to get the carbonation exactly right, and, and we had to. Um, we had to make sure the orange was just perfect. And even for jungle juice, when we're making the jungle juice flavor, um, my business partner Tarun actually concocted his own jungle juice that he used to make when uh, he was in his fraternity, and you know, minus the alcohol. And we we literally just kept testing our version until we had it exact. And do you beta test this with customers? Like, how do you know that there's going to be a flavor that they wanted before you place like a large order? Sure. So. Um, so we, we talk to our reps. We don't, we don't really talk to our customers, but we talk to our, our sales reps that are on the ground who do talk to some customers, um, you know, a very select few. We, we like to keep it as private as possible. We, we talk to some close friends, and, um, you know, that's really it. We, uh, we, that's really how we gauge demand on, on most things that we do. So did you, were you able to work with existing vendors that you had bought from previously when you were ready to launch your own private line, or did you have to find completely new partners? Yeah, it was a, it was a totally different relationship for for that part of our business. I see. And how were you able to, um, I guess, find find a, a partner like this? Like, what were what were the steps involved? And like, how did you uh, determine that it was going to be the right partnership? Sure. Uh, so we, you know, it, it goes back to actually, you know, having really good relationships with with our vendors. We were actually referred to a couple different people, uh, and we figured out which one, you know, which which. Uh, which manufacturer we liked the best. And um, we did a couple samples with each of them, and that's how we figured out, you know, who we thought we'd like to build a really long-lasting relationship with. 
Mm-hmm. Cool. So now I want to talk about the third reason that you needed funding. I think this one's going to be really interesting because you, it sounds like it's what really helped explode the growth of the, the business. So your, your rep in your, your affiliate network, your rep program, tell us a little more about this. Like, how does it work? So if you've never heard of campus protein before and you were at the gym with one of our campus protein reps, they'll probably come up to you and, um, you know, tell you about campus protein and they'll maybe give you a sample, maybe give you some workout tips. So they're trained in everything from health, nutrition, um, exercise, all of that. And um, they each have their own individual links. So, for example, campusprotein.com slash Felix. And once you went to that link, it's cookied into your browser, and they're your customer for life. So if, if, you came, if I came to the site through your link, then you would get credit for that sale. Awesome. Makes sense. So I think uh, one important thing is that, that you mentioned was about how you guys are able to train them to understand how to talk about the product, how to do, how to educate the customer. What's that process like? How do you make sure that everyone, how do you make sure that there's, you know, quality reps in your program and not someone that's out there that's, you know, spreading the wrong message or basically potentially tainting the brand? Definitely. So yeah, again, uh, focus is really important for us and, you know, maintaining our brand image and having a consistent brand image is super important for us as well. So, uh, so the rep training program is, uh, something that we spent a long time on. And, you know, at one point when we were early on, you know, we were just reaching out to friends to friends, basically anyone that we could talk to who wanted to be a campus protein sales rep. Uh, but at this point we, we have basically a bank of thousands of, and thousands of college students who want to be campus protein reps. And we've built out technology that actually will go through that. Uh, we'll, we'll go through those applications and filter them based on the criteria that, that we you know, feel is, is best to be a campus protein rep. And from there, we take it to an interview process. And from there, they go through a bunch of training. Mm, very cool. Um, so do you provide them with any other kind of additional material or detail other than the training, of course? Sure. Are there other ways to prepare a rep to, to, to basically present or pitch your product well? Absolutely. So we provide them with everything that they need to be successful. So flyers, stickers, uh, door hangers, banners, and anything that you can imagine uh, you know, marketing-wise, we provide them with. And, and it's really up to them how successful that they're, that they're going to be. Mm-hmm. And is there because you, because it sounds like a lot of these reps are on colleges because you know obviously your your uh, demographic is highly targeted at colleges is there's obviously going to be a lot of turnover right because every four years at the most these people are leaving colleges and uh, maybe they're still working with you guys but uh, basically the market changes over so it seems at least kind of rapidly is that is that an issue? Um, it's actually more it's it's more. Uh, it's more of an asset to us, actually, because we do have, you know, not only do we have every year, you know, although there are some really great campus reps that are leaving, the really, really great ones, we have the ability, since we do have such great relationships with our partners, to place them in full-time positions if it's not with Campus Protein at one of our top vendors. And we've Mm -hmm. done that with, uh, you know, numerous reps at this point. So we've, we've got We've gotten uh, a lot of our reps kind of their dream jobs, which has been, you know, really humbling for us. Makes sense. So if someone out there is thinking about going down the same path and wants to launch a rep program, what, what are the first steps? You know, like how do you how do you even begin to build out a, a rep program? So in the so in the beginning, it's definitely tough, right? You you don't really have any basis to go off of there. 
there's, uh, <laughs> there's no initial starting point. So uh, the most important thing is getting a couple of really, really great ambassadors or reps early on. So those people are really going to be the foundation and structure of your program. Those are the people who are going to contribute, not, not necessarily in a sales or marketing, uh, not, a, not necessarily with sales and marketing, but maybe morale. So we have a ton of sales reps who maybe aren't the greatest at sales, but they can provide really good feedback for actual health and nutrition or um, somebody who's going to be competing or weightlifting. Mm-hmm. And so in general, like what, what should you look for in a successful rep? Like how do you identify if someone is going to be good at sales? It's uh it's a tough thing to gauge because some people who you think will will kind of hit it out of the park don't, and other people who are super shy and you know you, you may not have a ton of confidence in end up being some of your some of your uh, key players. And we found that true to for ourselves and uh, trial and error is really the best way to go about it. And we, you know, when when the reps originally are applying for the position, we ask them a couple of key questions that we think, you know, will will at least um, kind of gauge for us if they will be a good fit or not. And are there any kind of general questions that you think that the, the you know the listeners might want to ask their reps if they're building out a rep program? Um. Hmm, that's a tough question. Uh, do you need, do you ever gauge them on how much they know about the the company, or does that matter as much as other factors? You know, we found thing questions such as how much they know about our company. Um, if you have somebody who's we've look, we've had people contact us who are super passionate about campus protein, really want to be a part of it, end up becoming a rep, and then don't really do anything. And on the other hand, we've had people like I was saying who you know, don't really know about campus protein and, you know, we're able to educate them through our, through our rep program. So I think what it comes down to is having a really good education program and really making sure that your messaging and uh, your focus of your company is consistent. And I think, you know, I think you touched on something important here about how you might think that a, a person is going to be a good rep early on and then they might not turn out to be the best. Like what's the, I guess, protocol there? Like, do you ever cut off reps or like, how do you ever, not as a reprimand them, but like, how do you course correct, I guess, a, a rep that, that might not be going down the right direction? Yeah. So, uh, we have territory managers who, who manage different parts of the country and, and they're really in charge of that. But we, we definitely give people, uh, benefit of the doubt. And we, we realize that sometimes coaching is necessary and coaching is, is needed um, but after a certain period of time, if, if you're not holding your own weight, then then maybe this wasn't the right match for you. Mm, okay. And you, I think, did you mention earlier that there's a rep program in, in almost 300 colleges? Was that the number? Yeah, that's correct. That's amazing. So what's the hierarchy needed to run a program like this? Because I know you mentioned that there are these regional, uh, I guess, uh, reps that, that were territory, territory reps. Like, how does it all build out? Can, can you walk us through the hierarchy? Definitely. So uh, my business partner, Mike, uh, he heads the entire program. Underneath him, there are four territory managers across the country. There, We have it split into uh, demographics that make sense for our business, so based on kind of where our top colleges are. And um, underneath them are the reps right now, but we're actually in the process of breaking it out even further into uh, sub-territories. So underneath the territory managers, we'll have sub-territories. You know, as we continue to grow, um, like I said, we have over 1,200 reps. And um, the, the more reps you have, uh, the tougher it is to manage and, and really maintain that consistent messaging that I was talking about earlier. 
Mm-hmm. If, if you were to launch this entire program over again, are there things that you would do differently that would you know, make things easier today when you're operating at this scale? Yes. I think that from day one, and we didn't have this from day one, having a, a center, a one you know, all-inclusive center where all the information you will ever need is there, as well as a place to communicate and collaborate with your peers. I think that's super important. And we found that it's super beneficial to the reps as far as getting new sales ideas or getting new marketing ideas. A lot of them are able to learn from each other. So, uh, you know, it, it actually takes a lot off of the management side mm-hmm. when they're able to self-service and learn from each other. Yeah, I think that that's a great point. So, uh, connecting people together, I think, is very key to making sure that there are these ideas, you know, opportunities to discuss different ways to to improve what they're doing, and in, in, in your case, improve how they're selling the products. Um, so, with the rep program, once you guys launched that, like, it gives an idea how quickly I guess this grew the business. Like, how successful is the business today? Yeah, I can unfortunately you know, break out the exact revenue figures, but I can tell you that we are uh, a seven figure revenue business. That's amazing. Um, now in terms of actually, uh, running this, this rep program, are there particular tools or applications that, that you use that are, I guess, readily available for others out there that they can also take a look at? Definitely. I would highly recommend taking a look into lead Dyna. Um, they've been really good to us. It's a really great program. Um, and, it, uh, it simplifies everything a lot, and it's able to do a ton of different things and, and really lay it out in a neat and simple, easy-to-use way. Mm-hmm. So one other interesting uh, marketing channel that I saw you guys uh, operating in uh, is with Pinterest. You know, I, I don't think you guys are nearly as active on there as like for Instagram, for example, which I think is probably the most popular social media platform for you guys. But you still have, you know, over a thousand followers on on uh, the Pinterest page. And, you know, Pinterest is typically you know associated more with, I guess, uh, the female demographic. And when you think about supplements and working out fitness, obviously it's a uh, it's, you know, it's it's, I guess, inclusive of both the males and females, but it's typically seen as a male-dominated demographic. How are you able to make it work with Pinterest when it's not necessarily typically considered the ideal demographic for your type of product? Sure. So Instagram actually is decently big for us. We have a little over 50,000 followers on Instagram, and it has been for us a, a really great converter to sales. Um, we, we see one of our highest conversion rates actually coming from Instagram because our products are so visual and because transformations are so visual and because, um, you know, a lot of the products we sell have some really cool flavors. Like, uh, we sell one product that's called sour batch kids. And, um, you know, you, you know, you, you can imagine what it tastes like after your favorite candy. And, um, you know, those things are really visual, but to Pinterest, we, we recently started on Pinterest actually because of Shopify's integrated buy button, and that's been really successful for us. Mm. And so what are you, what's your strategy on there? Like, what are you guys pinning? So, I mean, I'm looking at it now, and I do see that you kind of do cater to uh, the more of the female demographic on here. Because I, is it because that you recognize or you, you've seen the statistics where it is more of a female-dominated platform? Yeah, and we, when we have tried catering to males on Pinterest, it just didn't work as well for us. Um, you know, Instagram seems to work really well for males for us. Mm -hmm. Um, and there is a really big growing portion of our business, which is the female market. You know, more women are, are looking to take supplements and are looking to get toned and, and are not looking to just, you know, um, you know, maybe, maybe they are, um, looking to, 
to just run or something like that, but you, you can take a pre-workout for that and really enhance your workout. I think this is this important topic then because if you do start off your business focusing on a specific demographic, whether it be, uh, you know, based on this on on sex or based on you know whatever it is, and you decide to start not necessarily changing direction but including or growing the scope of your of the, your target demographic of your target customers, does that mean that you have to change the way you brand? Like, what does it mean when it comes down to the marketing itself when you do want to essentially uh, go after a, uh, an equally large demographic definitely we've uh over time kind of changed the direction i mean at one point we were saying you know should should we be more of uh you know like an axe like very male dominated brand Mm -hmm. and what we figured out was there is such a growing portion of females using supplements and wanting to use supplements and wanting to learn more about them and wanting to you know um wanting to do that that it doesn't really make sense to completely exclude that um, that part of the market. So there have been certain uh, you know marketing campaigns that we have done you know a few years ago that maybe we wouldn't do today. And I think that you know if you took a look at the look and feel of our site over time, you would see that it's kind of slowly evolved to be to be more neutral for male and female. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so uh, speaking of your site, I saw a couple of cool things on there that I wanted to touch on. So one thing is your top 25 page. So tell us a little bit more about this. Like, what is a top 25 page and how did you come up with the idea to, to uh, I guess, display this page? Sure. So for us, it's social proof, right? You want, you know, when, when you're working out, when you're doing anything really involved in fitness, what, what if, you know, whether people want to believe it or not, everyone's kind of looking at each other at the gym. Everyone's kind of wondering, okay, what's that guy doing? What's that you know, girl taking, how, how did they get to that size? How did they get so cut? How did they get so shredded? And, um, you know, the best way for us to display that is in a top 25. So these are our top 25 moving products that, that your peers are currently taking. And it's actually one of the, uh, next to our stacks page. Um, we have a page called stacks, which actually, um, takes different top products um, from different vendors and combines them at a discount for the customer. Next to that page, it is one of our highest viewed pages on the site. Yeah, I, I really like this because I think a lot of times uh, people just want to know what's the best. Like they don't want to spend too much time learning about all specific details, and they don't want to have to think about it. Like for example, whenever I go shopping for something that that I'm not too familiar with, I don't want to. I don't. I don't have the time, where I just don't want to have the energy, or don't care, I guess, enough to dig too much into details. I just want to know what's the best, what's everyone else using. I'm just going to stick with that. So I think that this, that's the reason why I wanted to bring this up because I would like the idea of laying it out this way and showing people like like you're saying the social proof behind it showing what people other people are buying i think that helps take away a lot of the the um i guess the the analysis paralysis that's that comes with shopping for products like this right because there's just so much to learn could be so much education that's required but when you lay it out like this and say hey these are the most popular products don't have to think about it too much i think that helps a lot with the, with the buyer when they come shopping uh, for your product definitely from from what we found uh People just want to see the products that work. So if, mm-hmm. if you'd stacked us up next to our biggest competitor, we only carry about 8% of the brands that they carry. So I think having just a really simplified and really focused uh, product mix is important because, you know, why carry anything but the best? If, if these are the best products, then, then there's really no reason to carry anything else. Hmm. So speaking of this, you know, you said that you only carry 8% of the of the brands that your competitors carry. Do you spend a lot of time cutting out products, adding new products in and then see how they how they do and cutting them out? Like what's your process behind that? 
constantly. We've we've actually built out a, a proprietary method in which we use to select the product. So uh, let, let's say we're bringing on a new vendor. We won't bring on the entire line in one shot. We'll bring it in, you know, one product at a time. And there even are some brands on our site where we don't carry the, the full spectrum of products that they sell. And the reason is that our demographic is super specific. And we think that's one of the really great things about our business. We really have a niche and we know our customer really well. And we also know which products they really aren't going to like that much. So, um, you know, it helps with inventory, inventory turnover, obviously, as well. But um, it also just helps, you know, our customers figure out which products are the best. And, you know, we've already done a lot of the work for them. Mm, amazing. So what's your day to day like when you, you know, step into to work in the mornings? Like, how are you spending your days? Um, honestly, every day is uh, very different. Um, uh, I do everything from sales, marketing, meetings, basically, I still wear a ton of hats and, and my business partners still wear a ton of hats as well. And it keeps us all really well versed on, on what's going on in different parts of the business. Mm, so what do you think you add the, the most value for the company? Like if you could only pick one thing to spend your time on, like what would it be? Um, growth strategy. Uh, I think for me, uh, figuring out how to take our business to the next level and and what areas we need to focus in in order in order to make that happen i think is one of my strengths i think yeah, i like that that you do focus on growth strategy because that's such a high leverage activity right because if you spend your time on that and the the the, the sales the revenue comes through your doors it, it solves a lot of problems for the rest of the business so how do you figure out like where like what's your the process that you go through to identify what areas you should focus on to grow the business uh, you know, faster. Definitely. So, um, you know, every quarter we kind of take a look at all of our different channels, you know, where, where do the most sales from come from? So do they come from the reps this quarter? Did they come from, you know, online marketing strategies that we've been doing, or maybe they came from someplace that we, you know, totally didn't even realize. And it's something that we, we really need to focus on. So for example, we, all of a sudden started getting a bunch of really, really big orders. And we thought at first, oh man, are these maybe some fraudulent orders? But no, it turns out that a bunch of colleges and universities themselves were looking to purchase products from us. So we figured out that, uh, you know, it's definitely worth spending our time and, you know, building that out and seeing what other colleges and universities we could work directly with. Mm, makes a lot of sense. Um, so other, you, you mentioned Lead Dino earlier on. Are there any other apps or tools that you or your team relies on heavily to help run the business? We found that uh, for reviews, Yapo works really well. Um, we use we use Yapo for reviews, and um, we're testing out this feature for them. It's uh, image curation, so you can actually take a photo of the product, or if if you do take a photo of the product on Instagram, we can tag it directly to that product page. And um, we found that the pages that it's on, it's it's converting really high. Um, so that that tool works really well for us. Nosto, which is a product recommendation tool similar to kind of the one that Amazon uses. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it's been working really well for us, and our conversion rate on that is also very high. Um, and let's see, off the top of my head, I think those are, are some of the most important ones that, that we're utilizing. Actually, there is one other one that we we recently picked up that's uh, been great for us as far as fulfillment and inventory management and all that stuff, and it's called Ship Hero. It's kind of an all-in-one solution where they do inventory management. They do barcoding and um, scanning, and they also do uh, label production. So instead of having a bunch of different tools, this is kind of an all-in-one solution, which has so far been really great for us. 
Very cool. Uh, so in terms of uh, the next uh, year, like, what are you what are you guys focusing on? What are some goals or what are some things that the listeners can look out for from you guys? Definitely. So we're looking to expand our private line of products. Again, um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be college-focused like, like we always have. Um, we're going to be expanding to some more colleges and schools, so look out for that. And um, we recently uh, just landed an agreement with licensing some uh, some college logos. So we've been, we've been working on that a little bit as well. Very cool. So thanks so much, Russell. So campusprotein.com, again, is the website, is the store. Anywhere else you recommend our listeners check out if they want to follow along what you guys are up to? Definitely check out our Snapchat. Uh, we have different takeovers every day. We have different reps, different vendors taking over, and the handle is just Campus Protein for that. And check out our Instagram as well. We've got a ton of great content on there. Um, every, everything from recipes to new products that are coming out. Um, the handle for that is just at Campus Protein. Awesome. Thanks so much, Russell. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Felix. Thanks for listening to Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. To start your store today, visit shopify.com slash masters to claim your extended 30-day free trial.